the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. we don't know, believe, or embrace the truth of who we are, then we feel lost. We feel like we need to add something to our lives or we have to go out and get something or we have to convince God to receive us. You know, I see a lot of Christians who live in a constant state of rejection and passive acceptance of who God is and His love for them. And it just reminds me of how I in the past have treated rejection, how I've handled it in my own life. You know, some of us really expect to be rejected before we ever are, so we set up barriers, don't we? We set up defenses so that we don't get hurt too badly. I've even encountered people who literally will reject themselves for you (laughs) before you have an opportunity to do it. And it's an interesting thing because I found myself doing this. I come to someone and I really expect to be rejected. I really expect that this person's going to say something to me that's going to separate us. It's going to make us angry at one another. And so I say my piece and I want to get away from them as soon as possible. You ever been there? I say my piece, I, I say whatever it is I'm going to say, and then, then I'm, i got to go. Because I don't want what I believe is going to follow up. And isn't it shocking when they don't reject you? Isn't it shocking when when instead of that rejection that you expect, you receive love? You know, we're in an age that is just full of distraction, isn't it? I mean, everywhere you turn, it's it's on it's cell phones, it's uh, it's iPads, it's all kinds of things. Always distractions everywhere. And you know what? Part of that is protection for us, isn't it? But if I can stay distracted, I don't have to realize the rejection that might be mine. And here's the way it literally looks. You know, we come to people and we try to give ourselves out, but we do this with them, don't we? Come close, but not too close. Because I can't handle another rejection. Now listen, guys, why am I bringing all this up? Because this is a pattern of how we treat God, isn't it? You want to know why there are so many Christians out there who are living nominal Christian lives, who are literally riding the same roller coaster that the world is riding, that are not experiencing all the things that the Bible calls the Christian life? And there's such a direct contrast between what God calls and Jesus calls an abundant life and the way most Christians live nowadays. And you wonder why. 
And I can tell you why. They're doing the same thing to God. The exact same thing. And they come into His presence and they tell Him what they're going to tell Him, but they quickly leave on to the distraction. You know what God has to do sometimes? He literally has to place us in a position where we've got nowhere to go. Where we have to listen. And it's almost like, you know, a mother with a small child that's being unreasonable and shaking and carrying on and, and screaming. And the mother is sitting there and, and she, hey, 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 shh, shh, listen, shh, I love you, I love you. Remind me of who I am. Remind me of who I am. Remind me that I'm in union with you. Remind me, Father, that you do not reject me. Remind me, Father, that you are my safe place, that you are my healing, that you are my rest, that you are my defense, my protection. You are my life. Remind me who I am. Because when I forget, it's too painful to live. It's too hard to cope. It's too difficult. And there's never enough distractions. We're in second chapter of Thessalonians. And I'm going to, again, give you a little bit of a quick history recap. But Paul came to Thessalonica, and he, he came because the Spirit of God literally boxed him in to where he had no place else to go. He started this way, and God said no, and he started that way, and God said no, and he started this way, and God said no. And somebody says, you know, the Spirit of God, is. we are pleading with you to come to Thessalonica. He had this vision. Well, I guess he got the message. So he heads the only other way possible. And he goes. He goes to Thessalonica and he goes to his, does his typical thing. He goes into the synagogue and he preaches the word. And there is a group of people that receive the word. And you see this over and over again. Paul talks about how they receive the word. Now, we're going to talk about this because... Receiving the word, yes, is salvation. But there is, a, there is a obvious difference in the way that these people receive the word and the way other groups receive the word. There was an impact on them and an impact through them that didn't necessarily happen in all the other places that Paul went. So Paul comes to this place and he preaches to them and these new believers receive the word. They come together and they start a fellowship and within three weeks time, they say approximately three weeks time, the Jews, they get the rabble rousers going and they get a bunch of rabble together and they run Paul out of town. Okay? What's interesting to me is that they had to go in the marketplace and stir people up. They couldn't even pull it among their own Jewish group. They, they stirred people up to run Paul out of town. And sure enough, they ran him out. And Paul went to a town not too far away, or went to a city not too far away, and they followed him over there and ran him out of there. And he went to another one, and they followed him over there and ran him out of there. And finally, he lands. He went to Berea first, very receptive to the word, but here comes the Jews, run him out of town. Went to the next place, Athens. They were fairly receptive, though the, G- the Greeks loved to argue with anybody. And they got, ran him out of there. The Jews came and ran him out of there. And he ends up in Corinth. And the letters that we have here, the Thessalonican letters, or the letters of Thessalonica, are Paul's letters from Corinth to them. 
Now, the picture is this. He was only with them for three weeks. Yet, this group of people exhibited more maturity. They exhibited more spiritual depth and strength than most of the other assemblies that he had visited and spent a lot of time with. So why is that? Why did that happen? Because when he left Thessalonia, when he left those people, he left them without a Bible. Well, that's right, there were no Bibles. There were no teachers of the way. There were no seminaries. There was nothing. Yet Paul is seeing more maturity and more growth there than, than in the other assemblies. Why is that? Did Paul teach something different in Thessalonica than he taught anywhere else? Did Paul teach something different there? No. He didn't teach anything different. Did they receive the word differently than you received salvation? No. They didn't receive anything differently. They received the same salvation that you received. There was a difference in their reception of the truth of that salvation. There was a difference of how they lived it out. And we're going to talk about that difference. Read with me 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. And we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a word of mere men, but as it is, as it truly is, the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on it, For you, brethren, became imitators of the assemblies, churches of God in Christ Jesus, which are in Judea. For you, too, have suffered the same kind of treatment from your own fellow countrymen as they did, who were persecuted at the hands of the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and harassed and drove us out, and continued to make themselves hateful and offensive to God, and to show themselves foes of all men." forbidding and hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles, the nations, that they may be saved. So always they fill up to the brim the measure of their sins. But God's wrath has come upon them at last, completely and forever. Now Paul speaks of his companions giving thanks continually. And he makes a similar statement, and we talked about this in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 1, verse 2, he says, We are ever giving thanks to God for all of you, continually mentioning you when engaged in our prayers. Now, this remembrance was real blessing for Paul and his companions, for they knew that when they went to Thessalonica, they were a party to the work of God. They were a party to, to a movement of the Spirit. And what really blessed them was how the Thessalonians received the word. It wasn't a matter of debate. It was literally throwing the door open. They received it readily. And this was a great blessing to Paul to think on that. You see, Paul and his companions were constantly distracted with all kinds of things around them. You see, they didn't move into a resort. They were literally still being persecuted. They had the persecutions of the Jews still still harassing them. 
They were in the midst of Corinth. They had the carnality of the Corinthian church to deal with. They had all manner of things to distract them, but it was they're continually drawing, God drawing their minds back to Thessalonica, showing them his faithfulness there. Why was that such a blessing to them? It's an affirmation of the work of God. Listen, I don't know how many of you have ever taught. If you've been a parent, you've done this. Or even as a student, you've, you've worked on things and tried to, to learn things. But it, there's nothing to compare to the affirmation that you receive when you're teaching or when you're preaching and you're, you're speaking to someone and you see the light come on. Now, this isn't about ego, though it can be. But, you know, the reality is that it's about seeing Jesus. It's about seeing God at work. Nothing affirms us like seeing the work of Christ active and about us. And when we see that, and here's the issue with most Christians, is that we don't recognize it because we don't look for it. And we think the work of God is always going to be something spectacular, right? I have a flat tire, I get out and I say, Lord, could you, could you grant me some grace here? And the air goes back in the tire. Now that, I saw God. I saw God. We either see it in the spectacular or in the ridiculous. We have people seeing God in tortillas. So, you know, it's at one end or it's at the other end. But the reality is God is in life. He's in the moment to moment. He is when you open your eyes and recognize that your next breath, that your next heartbeat is His gift and it has purpose and it has meaning. That's seeing God. And it's more than just seeing Him. It is by faith knowing that He is there. Now what the Thessalonians did was they not only received salvation, they received life. Now, we have life as Christians. We have life, because when we received Him, we received life. But so many of us don't live life. We walk around with it, but we don't live it. Now, believe it or not, there is a difference. One is abundance, and the other is existence. Which one do you have? You know, the enemies of Christ are ever ready to draw our attention away from the place of praise and worship. You know, if we really want something to be happy about, all we got to do is look to Him. And if you're unhappy with life, if you're, if you're sitting around, you know, counting the scars and numbering the wounds, what are you doing looking at yourself anyway? You need to turn your focus towards Him. I know people that spend all their time going over their problems and their histories and their difficulties and what life did to them and what life is going to do to them and they don't have any expectation of it getting any better. Well, aren't you tired of that? Let's turn our eyes towards truth. You want to have something to praise God about, start praising God. You want to have something to be thankful for, start being thankful. Start living in the truth, rather than in what you believe to be the truth. Paul 
decided that he was no longer going to point. At some point, he decided to put his focus upon the truth. He didn't put his focus upon the carnality in in Corinth. He didn't put his focus upon the persecution of the Jews. He put his focus upon the Father and his desire unto the Father. And he says, you know what? In effect, he says, my determination is that my life, my focus, my desire will be unto him so that I may walk in praise, that I may walk in thanksgiving. I will affirm the truth and its relevance and its blessing to me. I will live in thanksgiving and praise to my God. Paul tells the reason for his thanksgiving in verse 13. He says, And when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is, the word of God which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on it. This is not a teaching or preaching they received. This is not them just listening to Paul yammer on, or reading a pamphlet, or taking a study course. They heard God. They received from Him. They heard His voice. Hebrews 4.12 For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, of the deepest part of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Now, we talked about the salvation of the soul. We talked about the truth that there are literally two salvations. Uh, Don't throw anything at me yet. Listen to me. Okay? First... We are saved by grace through Jesus Christ. And in that point, God enters in. And he, before we receive Him, He speaks to our soul, to our mind, will, and emotion through the Spirit of God. This is not about what I say to you or Paul says to you. This is not about the track you read. This is not about the evangelist you listen to. This is literally God speaking. And He speaks to the soul, which is the mind, will, and emotion. And He says, you need me. Come unto me. Receive me. Receive the gift of my Son. Receive the truth of what I have given you. Receive my salvation. And you at that point say, Yes, Lord, I will receive your salvation. I will receive who you are. I will lay down my life. And when you do, the spirit of you, because when you were in Adam, that was darkness. It really had no life in it at all. Isn't that right? When you were in Adam, before you received Christ, the spirit of man was dark and had no connection with God. When you received God, this place changed dramatically. You became, you had a new birth. This is what Jesus is describing to Nicodemus in John. He says to him, there are two births, one of water, that's your physical birth, and one of spirit. What I'm talking about right here is spiritual birth. This is when you were born into Christ. And when you were born into Christ, as it says, you became a new creation. 
All the old has passed away. Who you were no longer exists. Behold, all things have become new. You have a whole new relationship with the Lord. In fact, you have a relationship with the Lord. And that's new. Okay? And at this point, you received in your spirit what? The Spirit of God. But more than that, He says He will put a new spirit in you. What does that mean? That means, as Scripture says, when you received Christ, you became a new creation, a spirit that is in union with His Spirit. The two become one. You are literally in union with the Spirit of God at this place. Okay? Now, a lot of people have trouble with that because their behavior certainly doesn't seem to bear that out. How in the world could the Spirit of God live in me? How could I be a new creation in Christ? Well, you are. Just trust me on that. And you have a new spirit. Now we come back to this issue of the soul. The two salvations. One, you were saved. And when you were saved, your soul was saved. <laughs> it now has hope for life. Didn't before. Now here's, here's where it all comes together. The soul, the mind, will, and emotions. Let me ask all of you here. Now I've gone through this with you all many times. When you all became a Christian, how many of you got a new mind? I wanted to get in that line, but I didn't find it. How many of you forgot all of your sins of the past and the whole record was wiped away and now you're just building new memories? How many of you went through that? No? How many of you lost all of your, your patterns for coping, all the things that you used to do for coping, you don't remember them anymore, and when you became a Christian, now you had to recreate new ways to cope with difficulties? How many of you have that experience? Wow, are you guys saved? No, here's the reality. All the baggage, everything that was true, everything that was stored in the soul never left. It's all right there. Well, then how in the world do I have a new creation? How in the, what did God do? Here's the reality. That when He saved you, He saved you in order that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That means life from here to here. The soul is a vacuum. And before you knew Jesus, you received life, or you received what you thought was life, through the body from the world out here. Now you have a different dynamic. Now you are to be saved in the mind, will, and emotion. Where do we battle the world? Where do we battle sin? Where do we battle depression? Where do we battle the issues? Where do we battle rejection? Where do we battle fear? Where do we battle all the issues of life? Where is it? Is it in the spirit? Is it? It's not even in the body. You know, the world wants it to be all about the body. We've got more conditions today than we've ever had. And you, you know what? You, you, you break down, they'll find some reason. Everybody's got a new condition. But here's the reality. You have a new life at the center of you. And your salvation is to come from there. That's what we call the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that is what God points to as your salvation. You look at the, at the references for salvation in the Word of God in the New Testament. And you will find that the majority of them are not talking about when you receive Jesus. 
They're talking about the salvation of the soul, where you, in your mind, are saved by the presence of God. Where you in your mind are saved by the balance of the Spirit of God coming upon you. Where you and your emotions are saved by the presence and the Spirit of God coming into your emotions, into your mind. By you choosing by faith to walk in truth, you are saved in the soul. And you know what? That's where we need it. That's where we need it, isn't it? We need it in the soul. It says, for the Word of God speaks, active and powerful And you know what? It says that it's the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit. Now, where's the immortal spirit? The dividing line between the soul and the immortal spirit. You know what he's literally speaking of? You have no balance or wisdom apart from God. Some of you may think you do, but you don't. What you think is wisdom is your idea, but it's not. It's not wisdom. And you will receive all kinds of messages from this world. I'm not loved. I'm not accepted. I am not any good. God doesn't love me. I can't find any hope. I can't... You know, all of those messages... I'm, I'm picking on the negative people. And you can also get a lot of messages. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the he guy. I'm the big guy. Everybody loves me. And all that is... That's just as bad as the other. Except you don't realize you need help. The bottom line of it is that the Spirit of God is that dividing line. And here's where it comes in. When I get to the place where I cannot find balance in my life, I can get on my knees or I can, I can say unto the Lord this, Father, I have no wisdom. You are my wisdom. Let your Spirit flood my soul. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, The hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.